0: Ladies and gentlemen Thank you for coming back To Talking and Touring With me Greg Leach And the beautiful Liam Sexton How are you mate? Hello mate Are you alright? Mate I'm fucking great actually What have we got in store This week?
1: Oh ho, ho. Gather around <laughs> While we tell you a story It's not much of a story, I'm just gonna tell you. It's uh Tarrant Anderson, who is the owner of VFB Vans for Bands in the UK, and also bass player from The Sleeping Souls, which you may know as Frank Turner's band. This was great, it was really good chat with uh with Tarrant. Both of us have have had experience with Tarrant in that we both use VFB quite a lot and have seen him around on tour and that sort of thing. Uh, but we never really had the opportunity to fully sit down and have a conversation with him. And it was wonderful. It was great to hear about his his career and how, how VFP started and, you know, the first time he bought a bus and all the usual stuff. It was fucking great.
0: Right. It's great to know that the people at the top of the industry also started in shitty vans. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's my favorite bit. So we hope you enjoy it. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming back to Talking to him. please go and visit Standby Clothing using the code TT10 for your 10% discount. At checkout
1: Also don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, rate All that bullshit on wherever you're listening to this Because apparently it's important And helps us with charting Which again is apparently important Yes, we
0: need to be acknowledged
1: Acknowledge me
0: Enjoy Bye
1: come very prepared I'm glad, I'm glad <laughs> Oozing professionalism yeah I swear every time we do a podcast he's like hang on I just need to change all my mics 10 seconds before we yeah. start
0: yeah <laughs> well it's night like being on tour like I've got my yeah. chance <laughs> to be like well I can do something don't I you've got to when really use the microphones as well <laughs> yeah, yeah. get them out get them out of the box Aaron, lovely to meet you man I'm Craig I don't think we've
2: you met too. before No, but I've seen your name many times on... uh, On the uh, the VFB
1: blacklist. No (laughs) bias to this guy.
2: (laughs) Blackboard. Unbelievable.
0: How are you, mate? You're doing all right, yeah? Yeah, not too bad.
2: Just um, like like everybody, dealing with the bullshit at the moment.
1: And there is a lot of it happening. A lot of fucking bullshit. It's a fucking nightmare. It just seems like every day is just a new challenge. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I have to
0: say though, I'm I'm the bit I'm struggling with is the lack of challenges as well at the moment. Like every day is a different challenge, but it's like I haven't actually like challenged myself for what feels like months. It's bad.
2: None of it's fun, I think none. that's the thing. Yeah, that's yeah it. it's it's all it's all yeah, none of it's what we want to be doing, which is the the difficult thing. Exactly.
1: Exactly. It's fucking very annoying.
0: So as Liam kind of run you through roughly what we do here? We just we fuck around for an hour or so and just ask you questions. Yes, good. Yeah, he
1: he gave me kind of a broad uh, broad brush, um, idea of what we do. Usually, it's pretty straightforward most of the time. To be honest, it's we usually have like a, a whole list of questions ready to go, but then we'll probably get through about five of them because the conversation goes off in different and areas, weird weird directions. Exactly, yeah. exactly.
2: I'm I'll try not to talk about um, Brexit too much. That's that's what I've been spending an awful lot of my time dealing with recently. Yeah. But, oh, I
0: can but um
2: and it, it the problem is it seeps into into your under your skin and just
1: yeah it, you become a kind of a repository of rage. But yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean I can imagine will probably end up touching on it a little bit, but it's it's a very I don't want to say dull, it's not dull at all, it's very important, but it's like you say, it's like People, I think people have had it up to their IT. So, so exactly. Then, yeah. yeah. No, we had one of our our um,
2: regular TMs came in, popped in because he's he's lo- fairly locally popped in about two weeks ago, and he asked a question about Brexit. And ten minutes later, I realised I'd just been going, and his eyes had just glazed yeah, just, over. Yeah. <laughs> as I was talking about the intricacies of the trade and corporation agreement yeah. and all that, and he just asked me, I think he just asked me, how are you, how are you
0: doing? I yeah. was <laughs> <laughs> just, I wish i never bloody asked you. Yeah. My, yeah. yeah. my head started to spin. <laughs> well, that's amazing. Well, Liam, do you want to uh, just give us a, a
1: little starting point with this one? Yeah, so usually what we'll do is we ask sort of like where you've got started, but I know obviously you started... Um, well, I don't know if you started, but I definitely know. It used to be in a band called Dustball. Is that right? That's going right the way back to the right beginning. Right the way back, back to yeah, the beginning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is quite interesting because we talked to Julia from a Million Dead about like starting out in Million Dead yeah. and that that lifestyle of touring in the like mid to late 90s. Yep. And it's just a world away from what we know and experience now. How did you find it starting out as a band and then and then heading out on tour? What was that experience like for you? Yeah, I mean,
2: completely. I'll be honest; it feels like a completely different life now mm. to, to go mm-hmm. back to that. And if, if, I, if I if I kind of throw my mind back um, twenty five years to when we were first starting out, we used to tour. I mean, our idea of a tour at the time was probably six shows
1: over mm-hmm.
2: over a month period because you couldn't get when you were starting out. You couldn't get shows back to back we didn't have an agent we were just kind of firing out um demo tapes on cassette
1: on cassette, to, yeah. Yeah, on
2: cassette <laughs> um to um to promoters all around the uk and trying to get whatever gigs we could and we were touring we started touring in the back of old state cars and then we graduated in about 97 into a really old um clapped out ford transit that a, a friend basically gave me, um, and uh, and actually Ben Ben's dad Ben, who's the, um, he was a guitarist in Dustboard and Dive Dive, mm-hmm. and then he's also a guitarist for Frank Turner now. So we've yeah. been playing together since. I've known him since I was three years old. Wow, we've been playing together all that time. Um, Ben's dad fixed the engine for us so that we could tour in this transit van, um, and it was basically three seats up the front um a sofa in the back on top of um base cabinets
0: just a loose <laughs> sofa
2: just a loose sofa Fucking i mean amazing. seriously <laughs> given given it. what i do given what i do now yeah it's got i really probably shouldn't be talking about this in public <laughs> that's fantastic and it just fills me with you know it fills me with fear and shame yeah. <laughs> like,
1: i love yeah. that like no matter what when you started, I guess, as well, because I, I obviously started touring a lot later than that. But my experience in like graduating through touring was pretty much the same. It was like throw out a bunch of um, of demos to promoters, didn't have a booking agent. Do yeah. it in a car and then eventually someone buys a Ford Transit that barely works. And yeah. that's it's great that that is just the, the almost universal the way you do it, stones. Yeah. yeah, it's fucking yeah. incredible.
0: The other one so seems was, to come up like that. You can see the floor through the floor yeah. of the first vehicle as well. Did you have that? That
2: was actually in the transit van, you could see, them, yeah. you could see <laughs> the
0: road. <laughs> there was a
2: little there was a little bit of wood that we put over the yeah. over the hole. Um, and there was also one occasion where I think we were playing the, the windmill in, in um in Brixton um and it broke down on the way there. Mm-hmm. And one of us had a, a breakdown uh, cover with with the AA. So we used the AA to tow us to the women in Brixton. <laughs> and I had the RAC, so when we finished the gig we called them up and got towed back to us. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on the back of this recovery van. And that was yeah, That is phenomenal. Well, we, we got the gig done. So Yeah.
1: Well, that is the definition of work smart not hard. Uh, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. so fucking good. <laughs> oh, God. So the windmill, like, when you were there, was Roof Dog there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He yeah. used to slobber on your pizza
2: if you're eating outside. <sighs> roof Dog. Terrifying. Terrifying dog. Yeah. yeah. Very scary. Very, was, very scary. It was booked by Tim Perry, who I think is still still booking it now. And
1: Probably, great, yeah.
2: Great guy. Great yeah. Guy.
1: I just remember no one ever tells you, or maybe, well, no one ever told me that there was a dog there when we first arrived and there's just, you pull up and then on the roof, there's this fucking hound just screaming at you. Yeah. You're yeah, like, yeah. what the fuck? Where are we? Yeah.
2: It's a good test for your heart. I think, I think if you, if you can get through that first bit with where the dog appears, you probably know that you've got a, a strong enough heart.
1: Yeah, yeah, I reckon so. I reckon so. So, how long was that there? You you're with Dustball for like five or six years, right?
2: Well, D- yeah, Dustball went through a couple of different kind of um, iterations. Mm. The first, the first was probably kind of '96 through to about '98, and then our drummer left, and various other. We had various other lineup changes, but it basically morphed into a band called Dive Dive. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, and that that kind of happened around about ninety nine, two thousand, something like that, um, and that was that was really the key moment was when Nigel Powell joined the band. Um, and Nigel had formerly been in a band called Unbelievable Truth, um, and um, so yeah, when he when he joined, we really kind of slightly took a more fugazi esque mm. um, direction. Fuck yeah, um, and. Yeah, just I mean, we were all on the same page. Um, Jamie and and Ben and Nigel and I were kind of all. That's what we wanted to do. And we spent probably the first five years of this of this century, so two thousand to two thousand and five, was dive dive. We were kind of full out, full on with that. Um, all of us doing other things to to allow us to keep doing it. So I, well, I was a perpetual student basically because I met, it meant I could tour. Um, yeah, ended up doing an MPhil at Oxford and not being there for two terms (laughs) of the first year. Um, Almost being kicked out actually after that. So I had to kind of knuckle down, but, but we did, I think one, and this makes my, from my current position, this makes my brain hurt. um, But we did, I think we did 45 shows back to back in 2005 with Dive Dive in the back of a, in the back of said transit van.
0: Um,
2: And by the end of it, I mean we were playing we would play anywhere we would play you know house shows in uh, people's schools we did we did uh, some shows in schools mm-hmm. um, during that run proper gig venues um but by the end of that 45 day run 45 show run we were basically not really talking to each other we'd all get in the van
1: and there'd be complete silence until yeah, get to the gig yeah I know that feeling oh you, too well. yeah. <laughs> you just need to decompress yeah I mean, forty-five days back to back in a bus is not nice. That's no. not enjoyable. In a van, fuck that. No, thank you. Yeah. You you can do it when you're young. You can do it when you're young. Yeah, I no, think I could. Yeah, you've got like a prime years for that kind of touring, which I think is like from seventeen to twenty-five at yeah. a push. After exactly. that, it's like you, exactly. you're just not in a good time, not having a good time doing it any further than that. So dive, dive. Yeah. Is that still a thing? Are You still playing with dive, dive? Well, yeah. I mean. Nominally, if I can use that word, but,
2: um, mm. the reality is that we just, all of us have not very much time. Um, we still enjoy putting music together. Um, and it happens very, very slowly at a kind of glacial pace, but kind of every three or four years a record might come out because we've had time to put one together. Um, but it's still, I, I think the, the dive dive approach to music still interests me, which is a is a good thing after that length of time.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, that's that's pretty fucking impressive to still be at it and just still and just, doing it yeah it's yeah. just it's just, it's
2: just it. life gets more and more complicated as you get older you get more and more things mm-hmm. frank's a workaholic so he under normal circumstances he keeps us working you know 200 up to 200 shows a year
1: yeah i was gonna say you lot love to be on the fucking do yeah
2: well still enjoy it most yeah. of the time most of the time so i still enjoy it um so it's a it's a good thing it's been a good thing in in my life definitely
1: um, yeah. yeah i mean i've seen a, like, a frank tenner show of uh, so many times and it is so slick you know what i mean it doesn't feel like it's um like a over-rehearsed production show it still feels quite raw and punk rock in in even, even though there's a lot of production to it i guess i mean well, is it part of like that slick production what makes it possible to do that many shows a year
2: no, do you know what I think it is that we would go for? There have been times when we've gone an entire year without rehearsing. Mm, really, and that is simply because we do so many shows. Yeah, we haven't needed to, and what what happens is just by a process. I think partly because we, the core of the of the of the band, had played together for so long. Yeah, um, and partly because we played so many shows it just kind of happens organically and naturally you get, you refine and you refine and you just know if you play, if, if a group of musicians play together for that length of time and that much, you kind of second, second guess what's happening, what's going on. You take cues without even really thinking
0: about it. So yeah. it, it kind of happens on a, on a, on a non-conscious level almost. Um, you guys discuss a set list before you head out on a tour or is that something that Frank will just throw at you as it comes or? Changes every night. Oh, change. so wow. you, know, like, need to, yeah. you need to be, yeah. yeah, you know what you're doing.
2: <laughs> it, it, we d- normally we'll, what we'll do is we'll have some some kind of core blocks mm-hmm. that might stay the, cha- stay the same from, you know, one night to the next, or they might not. And then there'll be other sections of the set that just change up and he'll throw
0: something in. Has there been a moment when he's pulled out like a rare B-side and you're like, fucking hell, which one's that? <laughs> <laughs> many, many times. There's basically, there's basically,
2: um, well, Nigel, Nigel, the drummer, has left now. He's left last summer. Um, yeah. But up until that... Um, so we now we're in a kind of period of trans- transition where we need to kind of feel our way again. But up until that point, there was probably, God, I don't know, 100, 120 songs that we could probably play. Love that. If not straight off straight off without anything, then yeah. he would say in soundcheck, right, I want to do this, this, this. And you'd think about it for five minutes, maybe listen to it, and then you'd do it that night. Yeah.
1: Fucking hell. Well, I guess that comes along with like... Um, it's that 10,000 hours, like, from the Malcolm Gladwell books. Like, you know, once you've done 10,000 hours of something, yeah. you, you can be a master of that craft. Yeah. It's that, like you say, it's just mm. by doing 200 shows a year for so long, you just, it's there, you know. It's, it's yeah. in your head. You don't really have to think about it too much. It's just ready to go.
2: And it's also, I think it also comes back to that whole kind of having been grounded from an early age, being... being kind of schooled our, our role models were that, were that kind of DC hardcore Fugazi mm-hmm. way of doing things. And I, we always, I think all of us really loved that kind of feeling of being that it should be real and visceral and you should be able to just play anything from the back catalogue and, and be, rather than it be um, a show that's the same every night. Absolutely. There needs to yeah. be an element, there needs to be an element of it that that, that stays kind of alive
1: Definitely. I completely agree. It's very similar to what Prince used to do as well. He would have, if you played in Prince's band, you had to know every single song that he's ever recorded or released on all the B sides, front to back, back to front. Cause he'd just drop yeah. them. You know, you might not get warning. You just have to know it straight away.
2: I, by all accounts, Frank's a bit nicer if you
1: yeah. make mistakes. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've heard very good stories from uh, Prince's I've heard about nothing people but horror fired. stories about Prince. <laughs> <so>. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Amazing. So that was two thousand and five-ish that you started with with Frank, or yeah. So I think it was two thousand and five that we met Frank. When we met we met Frank.
2: We were supporting a band called Reuben on tour in the UK. Oh, amazing. What a band! Yeah, yeah, fantastic band. And actually, that's actually another thing that I ended up doing was um, doing front of house and tour managing Reuben for about um, oh. three or four years. I was going
1: to ask you that because I, I was sure I'd seen your face in a video somewhere yeah, from probably that. With, yeah. I've got pretty bad hair right now because I haven't had a
2: haircut for about 6 months but but back then my hair was even worse than it is <laughs> right now it was literally like I had a kind of boofon on my head or I don't know a, a granary bloomer or something <laughs> attached to the top of my head that shouldn't have been there um so uh I've kind of gone off on a tangent but yeah no we were we were we were supporting Ruben on a tour of the UK and Frank had just split million dead up or million dead had split um mm-hmm. frank frank had left um and he was doing merch for reuben so we got to know mm-hmm. him then and we had um a studio that was in the basement of my parents house um uh back in oxford that we that i'd built up over kind of years because i'd uh, i'd worked another way of just keeping able to keep doing the band is i would worked as a sound engineer in local venues since 96 97 mm-hmm. um and they'd been collecting kit, so we had a, a Studer A 24 track two inch machine, a um, mm-hmm. couple of Soundcraft, twenty four hundred desks, um, a bunch of, bunch of old mics, and um, and so basically we got talking to Frank, and Frank wanted to, to work with some musicians and work start working on his new stuff, and he came over, and I think it would have been it was either the summer, I think it might have been it ended up being the summer of two thousand and six. He basically lived at my house. Yeah. And we worked on staff. And that's when we did the first EP with him, which was Campfire Punk Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, it was recording in my basement, um, my parents' basement, old basement. Um, so that's how that kind of started. It was really, none of us had any clue that and it I, was going to. At that kind time,
0: of- did you have any inclination that you would then start one of the biggest vehicle hire companies in the uk
2: no not at all do you know what i in around about the autumn of 2006 i was so disillusioned with music because Mm. i've been working on it at that point 10 years which which at that age feels like a lifetime
1: yeah definitely um
2: that i applied to i applied to to do a law conversion degree i was going to go off and become a solicitor
1: yeah. I
0: um,
2: probably in the music industry or something, you know, something that I had some vague understanding of.
0: Yeah. Not because I really wanted to or was, or was particularly interested well, in. 10 it. years is a fair amount of time to have a swing at something as well. No. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And no, it's just you get to a point where you think, I've got to do something. I've got to actually do something that, that, that earns me a decent income. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand.
1: Yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah.
2: But at, but at the same time, I started tour managing and doing front of house sound for, for Ruben. Um, and I was really enjoying that. Actually, too, as being a touring engineer, that was really the first touring engineering I did,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: and going out on tour as a not as a musician. Um, and I was renting vans from London, um, having to travel in into London from uh, from Oxford, doing really long hours. You know, mm-hmm. maybe picking the guys up, going up to Manchester, coming back, dropping in London, and coming back to the to Oxford, getting home at five six a.m. And that didn't, you know, after a while of doing that, you kind of think. Is there a way I don't it's have to a way? <laughs> so, so I went to my local bank. It was when you could actually go into a local bank and talk to people um, yeah. still and um, said, I need a graduate loan to help me train. And they just gave it to me. Again, yeah, that was in the days before they checked anything. Before really, computer said do? no. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, gave me the loan. I saw a splitter bus, splitter van on. on um, online for sale I bought it and then that's that was really the start I, and I was touring with Ruben in it um and then um I met a guy called Adam Morn, who was tour managing Seth Lakeman mm-hmm. at the time um and Adam I've known Adam ever since actually he's a, he's a great guy tours, tour managers a lot of um great bands over the years um still does. um and Adam said Look, I'm, I've just taken on Seth. Seth's just been um, nominated for a Mercury Award, and we're going to be on a non-stop for the next six months. And I need a van. They're based down in Plymouth.
0: Yeah,
2: I need a van, and um, and and I don't want to. I can't keep coming up to London to get one. It just doesn't work. Can I just rent yours
0: for six months? Amazing. So that's that's. I said that's yes, how, of course. Yeah, that, that's the perfect way to start, isn't it? Really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's so the problem good. was it left me without a van. Yeah. So I then had to go and buy a second one. Uh, and
2: that's <laughs> yes. essentially what's happened the whole way through for the last kind of 15, 15 years.
0: Oh, love it. Um, because
1: that, that story you're telling of, you know, being the tour manager and having to pick up the van and go down to London and pick it up. And it's never like, you know, when you pick one up from London, it's never a, a sociable time to get one. There's never somewhere to leave your car. Uh, and then you have to go and get it and then drive around, do the round around London, pick everyone up. and It's just a fucking nightmare. That is a nightmare, yeah. That is a story both Craig and I know incredibly well. Yeah. Um, And yeah, like with having you guys in Oxford and then obviously, you know, you you do like satellite pickups and drop-offs, drop-offs and stuff. It's like, I mean, it just blows my mind that no one else thought of doing it sooner. But there was that market there.
0: I remember the first time going from the the Van Hire company I used in, in London to then coming over to you guys in Oxford and everyone parking in Oxford at the Van Hire place being like, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, no more sitting outside McDonald's on Hangar Lane Roundabout for 15 hours waiting for people. Yeah. It's a beautiful <laughs> moment.
2: <laughs> well, I think what we always tried to do was was bring a musician's or, or, or a crew a touring kind of personnel perspective to it. Yeah. Because most, um, not all by any means, but most other, certainly at the time in the early days um, splitter companies were run by people who understood vehicles, but not Mm -hmm. necessarily the touring industry. Um, And it was, it was really trying to bring that perspective to it and to, and to try and, you know, to work with people from that, from that, from that kind of angle.
1: It's it's great when when that happens. I mean, you look at places like the venues in, um, uh, like Holland, for example. You get some venues there that have been purpose built and created by people who have consulted with musicians, crew, in-house staff, and everything else. There's some that are you know they're built to be like, okay, you pull your bus in here. It's going to go yeah. on this thing. It's going to lift the bus up. It's going to turn the bus around so your driver can drive out afterwards. Yeah, the doors are like wide enough to get six flight cases through at the same time. Everything yeah. just rolls back onto the stage immediately. It's like it's slightly like
2: entered, slightly like entered another dimension, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Exactly. <laughs> better it's better. Yeah. Cruise consulted. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. It's the same process, I guess. In the, in that you've, you've applied to to VFB, and it's it's one that works incredibly well. I would say.
0: So you, you still obviously...
2: have that first van? No, no. Wow. Um,
1: I wish that was just like
0: in the corner of one of <laughs> your lots say, just yeah. like, just <laughs> there, just like if anyone wants the proper VIP treatment. So <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. I think it would just be literally a couple of axles. <laughs> <by>
2: now, <laughs> and The rest would have gone. But um, yeah, no, unfortunately, I don't think we're up to, we're over a hundred vehicles that we've had through the life of the company now. Yeah. Wow. Um, so we're on, we, we're up to, well, we usually run just shy of, 50 50-ish and we're, we're a little bit less than that because of, because of the last year vehicles Ooh. have naturally come to the end of their yeah. time with us it's about roughly five years normally they stay with us yeah and and then and then but we haven't replaced them because we haven't needed to so no
1: that's true that's true but, um, it's insane how the quick the turnaround is on on vehicles like that but I guess you know from an outside perspective you wouldn't really think about the level of of wear and tear that
2: high mileage. go. Yeah. The it's go through. Fifty thousand miles a year normally each each of our vans does yeah obviously once you've done about a quarter of a million miles there's still a lot of life left in those vehicles don't get me wrong but from a from a um a company like ours our perspective we need them to be as reliable as you possibly can be on the road and on tour because that's what people don't you know you don't artists don't want to be dealing with no exactly issue, right?
1: Exactly, that's very true. So when did you make the, the jump to buses? When was the first bus purchase? Ooh, 2012?
0: What, what, what possessed you to do it as well? No. I don't know that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. If you could answer that question <laughs> for <before> me,
2: <laughs> go back and tell my former self. Yeah. I spoke to, I, I remember after I got my first or second bus, I was speaking to Clemens, who runs coach service in Germany.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And he, he, he kind of asked me the same thing and just said, one or two buses is okay. 20 buses is a lot of sleepless nights. Yep. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Um, and I kind of, yeah, maybe I should have listened a bit. <laughs> I don't, I
1: don't it
0: must have been such a nice holiday this last year for you as well. As shit as it's been, just not having a million vehicles out must have been quite nice. In some respects, yeah, because, you
2: know, I know when I go to sleep at night that the phone's not going to ring. Yeah. And yeah. I'm going to be able to wait, you know, get, get a good night's sleep apart from my um, two-year-old son. Yeah. who doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> He's not down with that at all. I wouldn't want <laughs> to <time. laughs>
0: um,
2: But 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 yeah, you know, I mean, I, actually, I think the stress of the whole situation has been way I'd rather be dealing with.
1: Yeah. Nor, the normal problems you have yeah. from, from running sixty vehicles than I would. Mm. How yeah. many buses yeah. have you got now? There's quite a few, right? Twelve. yeah. Twelve. 12, 12 wow. Buses. Fucking hell. That, your fleet has grown so quickly, which is yeah. just—it's—it's it's a real. A
0: testimony to how well you're doing it as well, which is such a beautiful thing. Like every everyone's using VFP and it's fucking great. Well, you're only as good as your last tour. I think that's the thing, yeah. and yeah. that's it,
2: the one thing I hope we never are is complacent because, like any company, we have issues. Yeah, every, yeah. every company does, and we just—I think that's the main thing—is we just try and deal with them in in the best way you possibly can. Yeah, um, and 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 um, hopefully we do that and we keep doing that. And if 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 that's the case, then hopefully the company keeps 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 thriving yeah. although at the moment this year just surviving is, yeah. the, is the, order of the order of business have oh, you started to see
1: oh, requests coming in yet i mean i know uh, i've put one yes in, so yes yeah
2: no absolutely but um particularly in the last couple of weeks a lot of people getting in touch and um in, inquiries for september onwards in the uk and then for european stuff mainly
0: f- next year amazing is it just that perpetual start of quoting forever though that's the one thing i keep finding now i'm getting a lot yeah. of people asking me for quotes on shit and it's like i can i can give you 40 boxes of l acoustics but if you're not going to use me i'm not going to fucking bother even drawing it up because the point that's is. it
2: yeah. yeah and that's what the last year's really been about is doing an yeah. awful lot of bureaucratic work for yeah. no 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 turnover Absolutely.
0: no revenue yeah yeah One thing I love about VFB is that you can't go into a toilet in, in the whole of Europe without seeing one of the stickers. Well,
2: I'm going to blame that on Frank as well, because
0: if he hadn't been to every single venue in the
2: world, there wouldn't be be VFB stickers. It's fucking
0: brilliant. Like when we go back to touring, like it's genuinely become one of my my life goals now to have a talking touring sticker, like in as many toilets as a VFB sticker. There you go.
1: There you go. It's quite, but I I didn't realise that until you brought it up actually, that like, you, you've been as, like, as far as like Bulgaria and yeah. go for a piss in the in the venue bathroom. And we're like, oh, yeah. VFB sticker. Yep. You will actually, you'll
2: find some in China as well.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh really? Yeah, you
2: will find some in China. Um, yeah, oh, no, yeah. The, no. the only problem with that is though, when we do when, some sometimes, occasionally we have a repeat visit somewhere, and someone will have graffitied on one of the stickers. I mean, uh, and I kind of my head twitches and I'm kind of trying to keep oh, raging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I normally respond by putting twice as many stickers up in the yeah, same Yeah, spot. You just stick her the, the yeah, just sticker over cuss words.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's like graffiti artists kind of tagging, tagging the wall or something, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's a weird thing as well that that it's like almost just completely acceptable in like in European venues that you know you're going to sharpie on the toilet walls and there's going to be stickers. Like it's oh, not it's the same it. here. It's part of the culture, isn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Very strange. Yeah, it's kind of
0: counterculture.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's right, true. Well,
0: I'm going to, because we, we try and do like a half an hour segment of chatting and then we've got our five talking, touring questions. So I'm going to ask you one question that may is take it, forever. But is it why do, why do men have nipples?
1: I well, mean, we can it talk about that. But
0: you no like. it is. <laughs> why do men have nipples? I have no
2: idea. I've been asking this question <laughs> as long as I can remember. No, <laughs> nobody can give me a, I a, 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 obviously just don't
1: know enough biologists. Is that no. what you've been working on for the last year? Yes, yeah. just... pretty much. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love that. Well, what, I've, what I did want to ask, which is slightly different to that one, was Brexit. We're going to have to talk about it a little bit. Ooh. And Brexit and the transport industry, and you've been a key part of lobbying and 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 talking with people and keeping your business alive. Is there, is there to wrap it in a nutshell, almost... And a, a bit of advice you can give to the smaller bands out there that are shitting their pants about going into into Europe. I, so I'm going to I'm going to give you an, optimi- an optimistic answer um, Perfect. to Love this
1: it. to
2: this question, and that is that I think if I was asked if I had to put money down on the table, I think that although um, the Trade and Cooperation Agreement has absolutely thrown up a lot of legal problems for the touring industry, I think in practice that it may end up being a storm in a key in a teacup Mm -hmm. and the reason for that is that i just don't think that enforcement agencies on the ground in european member states are going to be looking at a lot of this stuff i just Mm -hmm. don't think they care yeah um and so issues with transportation there are certainly issues um that we're dealing with at the moment um but I think we're going to find solutions in the, in the short to medium term for them. Um, and even if we don't, I just cannot see, it. I think it will be a lot of, like a lot of the gray areas of the ter- of touring industry in the past. There's a lot of areas where we've kind of operated where, yeah. you know, probably you shouldn't have. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it'll continue. It's like water. It'll find a way yeah. it will continue. There are some issues in terms of, um, additional cost, um, and I think I think that that, that those are serious issues because what you're doing is you're um you're you're really making it harder for the bands that are just starting out to yeah. to be able to look at look at the idea of going to Europe and say, yes, we can make this work, yes, we can do it, we can do it, we can do it DIY, we can do it and we can not lose a ton of money, we can go out and really have that really great foundational experience that 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 to doing your first tours in in Europe are. Um, and the, the, definitely the costs of doing that have gone up. Um, but I think I think given there's going to be, a, it'll be a little bit bumpy for a year or so, but I think we'll find solutions. I mean, if, we, if there's one thing that the, the, um, the live touring industry is really good at, it is solving problems, finding workarounds, solving problems. And day-to-day, the whole Brexit issue makes me want to, you know, it makes me want to scream and shout and smash my head against the wall.
0: Um, But um, I I just think we'll find a way through it. I I, I have to agree with you. I mean, ever since I started tour managing and and having to do import and exportation documents, I never really fucking knew what I was doing kind of thing. And and I feel when you're in a van and you're doing that, you're you're a bit ballsy and, and you get away with stuff and border people don't necessarily give a shit some of the time. so. I think I think you're very right. I think the next year there will be some horror stories, and we'll hear some awful stories where people are treated like shit. But I do think
1: there
0: will probably be the exceptions. Yeah, I would have thought. through just yeah. going yeah. through it and just giving it a go, I think we will get through the other side of this. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, there's things you know, like like you said, we you know we've as an industry got away with doing things differently in in certain aspects, and I mean, one of them is like for. um for a splitter van, I think there's some kind of technicality that you're meant to log your driving time and hours and miles, particularly in Germany, yeah. while driving there in a splitter van. Um, yeah. No one fucking does.
0: No, like, I've
1: never, ever done that when I've been driving a splitter. And it's just, like you say, no one's looking for that kind of thing. Yeah. It doesn't happen. So, but yeah. will they now
0: is my concern. Like, I don't someone pulls so. you over and how long you been
2: driving? Probably to some degree it depends on how much our current administration make the rest of Europe hate us. Yes, well, yeah. that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, but, but, you know, again, being optimistic, these things tend to be, they tend to be short lived.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: completely agree And with the fact that You know The the economy around UK music And what it brings in In terms of like UK festivals And international artists Coming to the UK The amount that it brings in For the economy And taxable um, Earnings Is You know It's fucking so, it's so much money So much more money than fish <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So
2: right. much more money than fish <laughs> Quite and what, what I would say on that as well is having having been involved in in some of this the lobbying process through through notably through We Make events and the guys mm-hmm. there have been so superb in in really pushing lobbying for our industry throughout the COVID pandemic and now also on the Brexit issue. Um, but having been involved in that process is uh, has taught me to be a little bit less less cynical about the organs of government. Likewise. Yes um just the, the civil service that there are good people there who do care and who are working and are looking for solutions mm-hmm. um and they, their hands are kind of tied by the situation that they're put in by legislation um mm-hmm. but um but that that makes me feel optimistic as well knowing that you know there are people there that are trying to help There's and they're trying to, they're not, that corner isn't it yeah yeah nice they're not they're, they're not just saying we're just sacrificing you
1: yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Which is the way it, it does feel like that sometimes. And from you know, if you're just I don't know, Johnny in a band, just waiting to get out on tour, it can definitely look like that. But like you say, I've, I've I get regu- like regular updates from UK music and things, as I'm sure that yeah. you do as well. Yeah, yeah. And like you say, it has given me a better understanding of the facets of government that it is absolutely fuck the Tories, but. Yeah. There is a, a steady stream of willing and eager civil servants trying to do the best they can through this mud that has been put there by by the higher ups. Yeah. So it is it is working. It's it's a work in progress, but there are people trying to change this. So I, I completely agree. I think it's it's going to be a tough couple of years, but at the end of it, we'll we'll have figured it out.
2: Yeah, I think so. And 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 ultimately, you know, administrations change.
1: Exactly, administrations and- change. Yeah. And and that's,
2: you know, we, we'll see, you just got to cross your fingers, what happens in four or five years time, is it, is it you know, opens the door to further negotiations, changes, etc.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I fucking hope so. Mm. <laughs> I really fucking hope so. Anyway, on yes. to something a bit more um, <laughs> enjoyable. So the first of our, our talking touring questions um, is quite a difficult one, and it's top five venues. This can be oh, anywhere wow. okay. in the world. It can be any festival that you've been to. It can be a show that you've seen, a venue you've seen a gig at, a venue that you've played at. Just something that has like a, a suck in your head, basically.
0: But it will be fair. It doesn't have to be an order. It just has to be five. It's yeah. just
2: five. I've just got to say five venues. Yes. Okay. Um, well, I'm, I'll, I'll start by saying Rock City because it's Frank's yep. favourite venue in the UK. And what a place. Uh, it's a fantastic place it's a spirit of independence um and just the way they treat you is a great venue to play mm-hmm. um that's the first uh,
1: time it's come up here actually i think that's the first uh, time someone said it but i completely agree it's fucking amazing
2: i did i think i was on when i was on tour with Ruben back 2005 2006 there we were supporting who were we supporting Big American band, can't remember who it was. Um, anyway, we were supporting them. I got into an argument with one of the um, Hell's Angels. Oh dear. that was that, that was there at the time. And I think it must've been the first time or second time I've been there or something like that. And I was just, you know, I was in a bad, I was tired. i hadn't slept properly mm. in a bad mood. I got into an argument and I didn't back down. The tour manager, oh, tour manager from the band we were touring with came up to me directly afterwards and said, "Look, I know you're in a bad mood, you know, and all, all the rest of it, and you've had a dark day, but you really need to go and apologise, and my friends." <laughs> so I kind of sucked it up and I went and and I, I went and apologised. And I've seen the same guy there every time I've gone back, and he's been an absolute sweetheart. Oh, lovely! Oh, good, um, yeah, good. So, they've always treated us brilliantly. Um, it's a good, very good lesson never to judge people by their your first you know by their appearances or your first your first impression
1: i think it's something that that we've we've spoken about actually quite a few times on um on this is that when we return to touring everyone's you know taking this this moment to be like more mindful and, and appreciative of what they have and we've talked about it like how long do you think it's gonna last before everyone's like yeah, about one show? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was like till soundjack, and then we're fucking yeah. gonna be telling everyone to fuck off again. Exactly. But it's such a good lesson, is this that you know you don't know what anyone else has been through, you don't know what else's day has been like. You just a simple hello and uh how you doing is all you need to be getting onto, onto the right footing with someone the first meeting, and that's it, yes. It's, but it's hard to <laughs> Or well, you've had a shit night's sleep and you've been traveling, it's hard not to be grumpy. Grump, grumpy, grumpy. Which yeah, room yeah. do
0: you prefer, the big one or the small one? The big one.
1: Yeah, I, I, I love, love the room. small
0: one. I've got great yeah. memories of gigs in that small room in the corner. I fucking love it. The um, So, do you mean the recovery room next door? No. Oh, rescue, the rooms. Rooms. Rescue, rescue, rescue rooms. Rescue rooms. Rescue,
1: rescue next rooms. Door. Rescue
0: I mean, I love yeah. the rescue rooms as well, but there's the small little club stage there's as well. a basement, basement. Yeah, basement I know room, it. yeah, yeah. 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 yeah.
2: The, the, we did the rescue rooms once with Frank, and he had food poisoning. And projectile vomited after the third song yeah. of the set. And we never—I think he went back and he did it solo as a kind yeah. of make-up show. But we never went back.
0: There's only one way yeah. on and off that stage as well, so I'd imagine you're there going is to walk through yeah,
2: that it, was, <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> it was weird. Um, so you, I, I owe you four more venues. I'm going to say yes. um, House of Blues in Boston, um, and that's because. We've we toured Lowe's with um, Dropkick Murphys and yep. Boston basically embraced us um, with with Frank as, as a kind of like our second home. And we've done we've done that. We've now done two, uh, two, two, two times. We've done four night runs at the House of Blues. Fuck, Amazing. Um, and it's just
1: been brilliant. And everyone there is brilliant. Um, I've so- never done it myself. but I've heard amazing things about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a great, and it also it's it's in that part of Boston where there's just so much history and culture and it's just it's just brilliant being there, oh, uh, right man. by Fenway Park.
1: I've um, only ever been to Boston once and it was fucking shitting it down the whole time. So it was like, load in and stay in the venue, don't go anywhere. Where, where did you play? you remember? Uh, I can't remember, but I remember it had a tiny little load-in door and then like a tiny elevator of about five floors and then steps to the stage. It was fucking horrendous. The the show was great, but the venue was like not built for
2: right. to
1: talk. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I can't remember the name of it.
2: Um, okay, so next next uh, venue, I'm going to say Tarts King Tarts in Glasgow. Oh, yeah. yeah, great venue. Love Tarts. Yeah. Um, my All one still of my, analog we, as well, which is great. Yeah, I mean, one of my regrets is we just don't. Um, Frank's been back there with Mongol Horde with his which is yeah. a side him and Matt yeah. the side project with Mongol Horde. Um, but we haven't been back for years and years and years. I love that place. I think mean, that's yeah. like, that's what a 200, 300-cat venue should be, basically.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's like,
2: yeah, it's a, it's like the the template. I remember
0: um, the first time doing that, feeling equal amount of pride in myself as doing Brixin Academy. Like, I really do yeah. hold them both in a similar kind of like light kind of thing. Yeah, in yeah. Terms. Yeah, fucking great shout. It's know, one of those, like, that's not come up before either
1: no mm, no it hasn't actually no it Mm. hasn't it's one of those small venues that um has a certain way of yeah they've got a certain way of running and that way of running might not be the same as every other venue but it works impeccably within their four walls and it's fantastic yeah the great place
2: yeah yeah. Yeah. um so i two more i think i'm going to say Um, the point, which is no longer a venue, but it was a venue in Oxford, and it was where I cut my teeth as a as a sound engineer. I, right. I worked there for oh, I don't know five years, four or five years, doing kind of four four shows a four shows a week, five shows a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a little kind of two hundred um, cap venue in Oxford, sweaty gig venue, um, run by a guy called Mac, who is who is and was a, a local kind of legend as a promoter. Yeah. Um, and so i did you know i got to i mixed i think i mixed um the strokes first gig in the uk hell. Um, just you know because i was in house and they yep. just came in and did it and white stripes did their That's first or second I show god um all kinds of people came through at that time that you know gone on yeah um and i then went and worked at the zodiac which is now the o2 academy mm-hmm. um, um,
1: the yeah. coldest room ever in yes. the day it's yeah. fucking freezing in there.
2: Yeah, it's place. like a fridge fridge isn't it <laughs> it's like a fridge Um, so I you one more yeah hmm, let me think about this I'm trying, to, trying to think I'm probably I've probably missed some really cool venues
1: what happens sometimes is after we've done this whoever's been on then like messages <laughs> us like <laughs> oh, I've got like 15 no, no. more
0: <laughs> the, one that, the one that's come <laughs> up a lot that I'm I, I love and a lot of people do seem to forget is milk fig. I love Elfig. milk yeah, it's a yes,
2: great kind of gig. Wonderful. Great gig. Yeah, really good. Um,
1: trying to think. It's hard because they all, like, sometimes they're just kind no, of mel- melded meld- meld- into one. one. Yeah, great. exactly. Gig in the
2: sky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, under the earth, really, isn't it? In a, in a <laughs> cave somewhere. Um, Come on, think. I'm going to say the Roundhouse in London. I mean, it's, neat, it's an obvious one, but it's just we've done... Um, Lost Evenings Festival there
1: with Frank. I was going to say it's had a lot of, um, a lot of Frank stuff has happened in the Roundhouse, hasn't it? A lot of hi- we got a lot
2: of history there, and and you know the people there were great, and it's a great room, and it's you know, it's have you just... have you had the privilege of mixing in there? Um, I did once years ago, and I can't remember who it was
0: through who it was with. Hmm. Great, I yeah. love mixing in there. Like a lot of people say, they hate it or they love it. I've had experiences where people uh, will come and complain to me about not hearing it in certain parts of the room where there isn't PA and it being like, well, of course you can't fucking hear it. I think it's one of those rooms where you need people in. You need Yeah, oh, fish. yeah, 100%, yeah.
2: body bags. Yeah. Yeah, run.
1: yeah. <laughs> the meat bags in, to in the room. Fill it, they fill
2: it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's one of those ones where you tell the band it'll sound great when there's people. Yeah, I love that statement. <laughs> yeah. I fucking love it.
0: It's great. When they're like, it's, "Oh, it sounded shit," it's like you need to sell more tickets. I'm like, come on, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's not my fault. It's <laughs> your fault. I mean, when that's our five, I think yeah, that yeah, is. that's five. Yeah. So next, talking touring super question is: What is your can't live without item on tour? And my laptop. Ciao straight
2: in yeah no hesitation there that is the one thing that i would have a massive panic attack if it disappeared have you
0: ever had like i mean a lot of people have awful stories of things going missing on tour but have you ever had the laptop go missing on tour or do you like protect it with your life it's kind of with me the whole time Mm. Um, Mine too. so yeah Yeah. i haven't but that is
2: really my kind of i would be more upset about losing my laptop than losing my passport or yeah. my wallet or my phone or, you know, yeah. I completely yeah. agree with
1: that statement. Yeah. 100%. The mainframe, isn't it? It's the yeah. main mainframe.
2: <laughs> It's your portal to the rest of the world. Yeah, basically. exactly.
1: Like, yeah, exactly. And how, yeah. like while you're on the road, are you still like quite heavily involved with day to day at VFB as well?
2: Yes, I am. Mm. Um, but um, I have to say a lot less these days. Um, a couple of years ago, um, uh, at, at uh, we brought a partner in basically mm-hmm. who's a who came into the company um he's now a fellow director and he's absolutely pivotal to the to um the day-to-day running the company you you probably know ed you've probably met ed yes for, yeah, um, yeah of course yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah um so so yeah he so to be honest i i it would be unfair of me to claim that i'm i'm kind of a key man day-to-day now because when i'm on tour i still am involved in stuff and yeah. dealing with issues but the main kind of day-to-day running is done by um, is, is is done by other people like Ed and, and Spadge and our transport manager Steve. Oh,
1: Spadge, yeah.
2: how is Spadge? I haven't spoken to him in so long. Um, Spadge is great. Yeah, I saw him today actually. He's he's um, uh, he's Spadge. Spadge It's <laughs> <is> <laughs> yeah, one of a kind. He how definitely is one of a kind.
0: It? How were you juggling it being on tour and running this though? Like because there there, there must have been times when it really did. Fuck up your day. One of them. Oh, geez. And it was yeah. like, did yeah. did that ever did anyone around you ever go like, you need to fucking slow down? Or was it always just like, I'm Darren, I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm good at what I'm doing. Uh, man. Many people have told me I need less less stress in my life from mm. for a long
2: time. Um, and I suspect, unfortunately, one day I'm probably just gonna go and that's gonna be well, it. We hope but, not. Yeah, hopefully not, <laughs> hopefully not soon. Um, although I have got a good life insurance policy, so it might be good <laughs> yeah. for my partner and, and my and my son. Um, that Yeah, so maybe I should work harder. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, I mean, there's definitely been times, um, mm. you know, when something's gone wrong and we, I've just done a show and you walk off show oh, and maybe. literally your yeah. phone is yeah. 30 missed calls and then you spend from... Eleven fifteen 15 to three o'clock in the morning yeah. sorting out issues um
0: because I, I hate Saturday. it when i'm on tour and i'm juggling another show or another tour or, or another hire going off somewhere and it's it's fucking awful and that is yeah. like that is child's play in comparison to what you're running once you're on tour well but
2: as, as i say to be honest now i don't do as much yeah. of it because we've got a great team we've, we've really got a good team um in place at and in the company so really i'm only involved like that when something's really gone badly wrong um and needs to be needs to be dealt with um but you know and that, that thankfully now that's few and far between
1: yeah that's true that's good yeah that's good what's your top tip for touring sleep as much as possible that'd be
2: out.
0: yeah
2: i Which think is, yeah, it's always easy on buses, buses. no Ironically it took me When we first started bus touring Which was about 2009 2008, 2009 It took me about 18 months To be able to actually sleep on a bus Oh 100% yeah. Yeah.
1: That's uh, I said that to idols When I started with them They had just gone onto a bus So it was the first time They'd been out with one When I was tour managing them And I, every time I saw them I was like look You're going to hate it For like at least two weeks It's going to yeah. be rough You're going to fucking struggle But after I mean for me I got it after like a couple of weeks after that, you won't be able to sleep at home. Um, yeah. Like it took yeah. them a lo- lot longer than two weeks, Um, yeah. but they were the same. As soon as it's like, you get the, it clicks in your head. You're yeah. like, you get home from a toy, you're like,
2: you you turn the <laughs> fan on and you, yeah. <laughs> you have
1: to, you have to have a constant hum in the background. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> just need someone to yeah. rock you a little bit. They get someone yeah. to push you out of bed occasionally. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. I think oh, no. um, Derek Zanetti said the same thing actually, didn't he? Sleep. Yeah. 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 yeah his his tip was sleeping as well. Yeah.
0: He loves yeah. to sleep. He was our uh, because you know Derek quite well, don't you? Yeah, 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 great guy. We uh we were on tour with him at the start of 2020, actually with Anthem Flag, and uh, he was supposed to be my drum tech on it. And uh, as I'm sure you can imagine, he was fucking useless as a drum tech. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I do love Derek. <laughs> Amazing. Well, moving on from that, then. Um, <laughs> He's the, he may not be a good drum tech, but he's a great guy to sit up to five o'clock in the morning and uh, talk to.
2: Me and oh, Derek yeah. had
0: spent vast amounts of time together. I, I love him dearly. Um, and yeah, many of those 5am finishes. <laughs> of, we actually, we were lucky enough in, in our last nightline and we got our own little separate area where it was just me and him in it. And I'm not sure whether that was because we were the snorers, but we had our own little bit and it was amazing.
1: It definitely was. Yeah.
0: Yes, in fact, I wanted to ask that. Do you ever get tempted, like when you're on on a bus now, and it's it's one of your buses out there, where you're like, right, we'll make this into a, a star bedroom, and I'll have that. No, because Frank could be in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Came rid of the bottom lounge and me like, that's yeah, it's my bus. <laughs>
2: yeah. No, the um, but the biggest problem I have being on one of our buses is that I notice everything, and it yeah. drives me nuts. And I end up going and. I end up going around we have whatsapp groups for every every bus that's how mm-hmm. we you know so that issues can be reported and whatever so each bus has its own whatsapp group it's got all the key people on it and it, if i'm on a bus that whatsapp group is just dink yeah dink dink
1: <laughs> dink constantly and there's a long list of things that need to be sorted out Do you always have the same driver out on the, on the bus that you guys use or is it a different guy each time? No, I mean, it it, it can be any of our guys
2: really. Um, They're all, they're all, they're all great. I I think that's the hot
0: ticket for them getting to drive the bus around.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Or they all
0: like,
2: fuck, he's going to notice everything. Yeah, that's probably, that's probably true. I don't really know actually. I've never asked him that. I probably should. I mean, we've often, we've had Brian and Aidy a lot. Um, and Brian, yeah. who you know, Brian wouldn't give two monkeys.
1: Basically, yeah. what, I... know, wh- whether it's whether it's me or it's anybody else, yeah. I have only good things to say about Brian. He is a fucking star. I mean, he did us a couple of years ago in the summer, and you know it was a festival run, and we'd arrive, you know, early morning or something. I'd come down in the morning and he would have left me a note or we would be up and be like, I'm really sorry. I tried to get everyone's accreditation, but they wouldn't let me have it. And I'm like, Brian, yeah. it's not your job. Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> just go yeah. to bed. It's okay. He needs to be busy. He's, yeah. He's, he's um, yeah. And he, but he is great. He's 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 really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Just a really yeah. solid guy. He's a fantastic driver. A really good person to just have out on the road because he's just, like you say, he you know doesn't give a shit, but in a good way. You know, he's just, he's him yeah
2: exactly yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah
1: yeah yeah so our last question which i think is just as hard as the first one actually as well is um best memory best memory wow hard um, to pick them
2: out no but you know what i think i do have a memory um i would say i have to <sighs> different memories from different kind of parts of my life segments of my life in the touring industry. But one, the one probably that I would my mind immediately goes to when you ask that question is walking out um, on stage at Wembley arena with Frank in 2012. I think we headlined that. It was the first kind of big arena headline we did and walking out to kind of sold out Wembley arena in London was just that moment of like mind, mind, mind blown basically. Um and real feeling like we'd done something special.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so th- yeah, that, that'd be the one, the one thing.
0: Um, I think. Was that in that, the middle of the tour or was that right at the end of the tour? It was a standalone um date Oh, that one even I th- better. Yeah. I think Lovely. yeah,
2: I think we'd done a UK tour and then there was a kind of gap, and then we did we did that. Um but it was just, it was one of those things, it was one of those times when we would we'd been doing big clubs and we knew we could do. Kind of five thousand, you know, you knew we could do mm-hmm. that. But it was a real jump, it was a real stretch, yeah. and we just didn't know whether we where we could do it. And so it we paid it was one of those where, you know, book it and they will come. Yeah. Moments. Um, and it went on sale and it sold. And you know, it was just like it had a life of its own. And it was so it was really felt like it was a huge achievement to to do it.
1: Um
0: it's beautiful when
1: that happens. I love that when it's just sort of like they like say it's a big jump and it's a daunting task and everyone's a bit like oh I don't know about that I'm not sure if we're going to make it and then it just rolls it happens and yeah. it rolls and it rolls like and
2: i i remember what also at the time i think there were quite a, a lot of people in the industry um that were saying it's an overreach you're not going to sell it it's not really? going to work you know and they didn't want to do it there was a, there was pushback yeah um about doing it and i think it was really frank and his
0: management that said no we're gonna we're gonna do this um, two fingers up to the industry which is beautiful to hear that it went well yeah. i love that yeah
1: yeah i can't like i remember doing um alexandra palace with idols like the last last show we did in 2019 yeah it was my yeah. last last show with them and that going on sale in the summer and you know we just discussed doing it and the management were you know we're doing it book agents like we're doing it a band are like, okay. I don't know if it's going to sell out. I don't know. They were all like really nervous. And I remember being on the yeah. way to Glastonbury and it was like on sale that day and everyone's like, "Oh, it's never going to go. How long do you reckon? 6 months before it sells out or something?" And it was like in a day that it went. Yeah. And everyone's mad. like, Oh my God It just fucking Blew everyone's mind. Yeah um, And then w- watching them Walk out on stage At that gig was just Well that's crazy.
2: another one Of those rooms Where you walk out on stage At Ali Pali And mm-hmm. you see The sea of people Going all the way back You I mean, definitely see yeah.
1: 10,000 people in that room It's fucking yeah. mad Yeah Yeah Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's same with Wembley Arena Like you stand on that stage And you're like I can pretty much see Every single fucking head In this yeah. room yeah. All the way to the back Fucking hell Yeah That must have been amazing. But it was a beautiful thing for me to watch them to go on stage at that. So for you to actually go out and play it must have been, oh yeah, like a fucking absolute highlight. Yeah,
2: it was massively. Um, uh, Yeah. Trying to think if there are any other kind of memories, but I think probably the fact that I I went straight to that means that's it. That's the one.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I've got one more question for you actually which is not one of our like normal questions but would you rather tour in a bus or a van these days what's your preference oh I'm gonna say both okay I love I love we we do so we do most
2: mostly bus touring these days but occasionally we'll do some dates in vans you do a fly-in somewhere and then you could do a couple of of shows around in an area in Australia where you do obviously you fly yeah, between yeah. Yeah. cities and then you use vans and it's so refreshing to get back in a van and have that different vibe and that different energy between people when you're you're sat in a van with them for yeah three four five yeah. hours and these conversations you listen to I don't know you listen to
0: stand-up comedy or whatever it's it's a yeah. real driving as well the actual driving part of touring is something I missed when I wasn't doing exactly yeah
2: exactly it's that camaraderie that you have in a van and the and the shared jokes and the yeah.
0: and the and i've forgotten how much i missed that yeah mm-hmm. um i think you way, almost get yeah. more in jokes and more stories from being in a van than you do in a bus definitely because everybody on a bus everybody kind of goes off into their own cubby holes yeah. their own areas
2: and they can have their own and it's it's kind of like I'm quite a sociable person. I like being around people and I think everybody else should be forced to be <laughs> in the same small space as me, and, 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 me. To, and to talk to me for five <laughs> hours. They shouldn't be allowed to go into their bunks That's to run beautiful. away.
1: I love that. that is a good way of putting it. And yeah, I completely agree to be honest with you. Like, um, the last like proper big driving tour that I did was across America and we did it in a van. We did it yeah. from you know one end to the other, like that's, east coast to west coast.
2: That's serious. I mean, that will break. That will break you.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. No but to, it was yeah. fucking beautiful. I've seen you know travel through desert, seen things that I would never have seen in my life had I been on a bus because I would have been asleep the whole fucking time. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. It's amazing. Yeah. Like some experiences of just being in the middle of a desert and there's no one there. Was that no, a
2: guys. Ford Econoline um, with a trailer on the
1: back? Oh, fuck no. It wasn't those, okay. one of those guys. It was um, yeah. a proper splitter. There's a company over there that we use called uh, Bandigo. Bandigo, yeah. Do, yeah, them, yeah. Um, they're yeah. great. You know, you just pick up and drop off uh, wherever in the country, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, they, originally they wanted to do a, a, a trailer on the back of that and because I was doing the driving, well, so I was like, no, thank you. No. I don't want to drive. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> on the other <laughs> side of the road. Yeah. On the other yeah. side of the car with a fucking trailer. Um, yeah. So we just did it in the splitter. But yeah, it was beautiful. And I, you know, had an experience that I would never have ever had if I was on a bus.
0: It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 But then being on a bus is quite nice because you just get to sleep all the time. It's great. Well,
0: there yeah. we go. Well, Darren, thank you so much for joining us on Talking Toy my friend. That was absolutely wonderful. And it was it's great to hang out. Yeah, absolutely. It was lovely to talk to you
1: guys. Yeah, man. Likewise. It's great to see
0: you. We've still got a yeah, shit ton more questions for you as well, so you'll have to come back again. Oh, dear. What are they? Are they difficult ones? Well, that would be yeah. cheating if we told yeah. you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Can you just give me multiple choice? Like, yeah. go, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no.
0: We're going to do a full post-Brexit review once this is done. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you got? <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, both.